For the News and Observer, I'm Don Vaughn, your host for this episode of Under the Dome. We hope you enjoyed our bonus episode this past week that we posted the day after Election Day with recaps of the U.S. Senate race won by Ted Budd, plus congressional state, legislature, and Supreme Court results. Today, we're bringing you even more election coverage, including the other significant uh, government here in Capital City, the Raleigh City Mayor and Council races. Today, I'm joined by Raleigh government reporter Anna Johnson, reporter Colleen Hammond, who is at re-elected Mayor Marion Baldwin's watch party, and my politics teammate, Luciana Perez Uribe Ginasi, who was at the Sherry Beasley watch party on election night. The other night you heard Will Wright's take on the, on the Bud Party, so we'll have the other side. And then service journalism reporter Corey Dean, who was at the Bo Hines watch party, or outside anyway. So we'll bring you some of the behind the scenes of that. Let's start with Anna, because it's the uh, capital city has not a new mayor, the same mayor. So was it a given that Marianne Baldwin would be reelected? Hey, thanks for having me. Um, Marianne Baldwin has never lost an election. She served on the city council for 10 years in an at-large position, and she raised over $700,000. She beat out six people the first time she ran for mayor, so it seemed almost like it was a certainty, but there were a couple of things that maybe gave a little bit of pause. First, the elections changed to a uh, even years, where normally they're held in odd years. And also the Wake County Democrats didn't endorse her, which I think really helped her opponent, Terrence Ruth. Colleen, you were at Baldwin's party. What was it like uh, at the beginning, I guess, maybe before the early voting returns came in and then when that moment came? Uh, It was definitely a very hopeful atmosphere. Uh, Nearly every supporter there let me know that this was a significantly quieter party than years past. Although, as Anna said, Marianne Baldwin has been a longtime figure in Raleigh city government. Uh, this was very much a core group of supporters instead of uh, the massive overflow of support that people mentioned they had seen in years past with her. So at what point did it look like that she knew that she had it? Quite honestly, Marianne Baldwin was talking to supporters left and right, spending time with her husband at the party, just enjoying the general atmosphere and didn't realize that uh, the final precincts had come in for the vote until We, the reporters, and all the cameras swarmed around her. She turned around from the conversation she was having and suddenly realized that the moment was here. She rushed over to a booth uh, with one of her uh, campaign workers, checked the results, uh, and saw that, in fact, she had been reelected. Luciana, you were also at a watch party where the mood was a different vibe. Uh, Sherry Beasley running for U.S. Senate against Ted Budd. Like I mentioned earlier, Will Wright, uh, our Charlotte Observer reporter who covers politics, had, had talked about being at the at the Bud Party, you were Beasley, which was just here, really downtown Raleigh, across from the News and Observer. So what was that like, you know, early on, especially with early voting results starting to come in, which, you know, generally favored Democrats, which she is, and then as things shifted during the night? Yeah, so I was at the Sheraton Hotel in downtown Raleigh Tuesday. And at first, around 8.30, when the early votes came in, the vibe uh, in favor of Beasley slightly there. The vibe was very happy. People were singing, dancing, the cha-cha slide, uh, as well as other songs. They had a DJ, they had drinks, they had food. So people were happy. Um, And to be honest, the positivity continued for, you know, for hours for quite a bit. um, Even as the Sherry's lead started dropping and Bud started, you know, gaining in the results. and around 11, 12-ish, it was pretty clear that Bud was likely going to win. So people definitely were more somber. 
but they were still very supportive of Sherry and still, um, you know, some people were still even dancing, much less, but a few still. <laughs> so what do you think this means for Democrats' future U.S. Senate candidates with uh, how Beasley did and, and what the um, turnout was, the way things shifted, and then also, you know, bringing in what you had heard from voters when you uh, traveled across the state, talking to them about different issues? So Bud's win was not necessarily surprising. It is a purple state and U.S. Senate races in the state have uh, not been won by Democrats since 2008 with Kay Hagan. So it was not surprising. Um, nonetheless, I have heard from some political scientists that the lead by Bud was not significantly large. It was just over 50 percent of votes. And. I think that's interesting um, because for future U.S. Senate elections, um, campaigns and parties will have to likely shift their strategy as populations grow and demographics kind of change. Um, and then as for what I've heard from voters, I think was your other question. Um, you know, a lot of the, the topics we've seen are abortion, inflation, um, concerns about, you know, cost of food and all those sorts of topics. Right. And then also on election night was Corey Dean. So like most newsrooms, it's all hands on deck on election night. So uh, politics beat reporters, of course, are working. Everyone from everything uh, is working. Uh, Colleen, if I didn't mention before, is a breaking reporter. Corey's a service uh, journalism reporter, which means a lot of the um, explainer stories and all that good stuff, um, telling people how things work. But on election night, <laughs> Corey had maybe not the... Uh, Best assignment that people want because the uh, you were out on the sidewalk for a bit of it. So tell us tell us about election night for you, and and thank you also for your work. Yeah. Um, so on election night, I was at the watch party for Bo Hines. He was running in uh, the 13th congressional district against Wiley Nickel, who later won. Um, the party was at the Norris House on Blunt Street downtown, kind of near the governor's mansion. Um, as Don has mentioned, it was a cold assignment because um, per the instructions and the details from the Heinz campaign, reporters were not allowed inside throughout the event. Um, the agreement was that CBS 17 would um, have pool video for the other TV stations. And then our photographer, Robert Willett, was inside getting photos but wasn't allowed to talk to guests. So for most of the night, I was um, outside kind of, you know, looking at the party through a uh, some large windows on the front of that event space. Um, you know, just saw some regular Tuesday night happenings uh, downtown. We saw an ambulance go by, a car, you know, maybe it went down the wrong way of the street. So really great stuff outside. Um, the original agreement was that reporters would be led inside um, to hear Bohine speak. Um, that did not end up happening Um the campaign did not let us know that he was going to be speaking at what time. Um, and then we tried to get inside, but were turned away. Um, for those that don't know or aren't aware, the outcome of that race was that Bo Hines uh, lost against Wiley Nickel. Um, in his con he did say during his speech that we later got pool video of um, that he had conceded to Nickel and that he had congratulated him um, and said, that voters getting to decide um, who to elect is, quote, what makes this country special. Um, and the only other color I really have from that event is that, you know, I saw several different people leaving just say that they were disappointed with the results. Um, 
And that's really the report from that party since I was not inside for any of it. (laughs) (laughs) If anyone thinks that covering politics is glamorous or anything, it's really not. A lot of it is boring and sitting around as a former House member Zoka would say it's like the army, you hurry up and wait. So it's a lot of a lot of waiting for brief moments of action. And sometimes the action is that somebody lost and don't doesn't really want to come out and talk to you, uh, which, you know, is totally surprising on that. So anyway, thank you, Corey. We're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, uh, we're going to talk a little bit more to, to Anna Johnson about what this means for the future of Raleigh City Council, not just uh, uh, Baldwin being reelected, plus our picks for headliner of the week. You're listening to Under the Dome. I'm Don Vaughn, here with some of our election night team at the local, state, and federal level. Reporters Anna Johnson, Colleen Hammond, Corey Dean, Luciana Perez, Uribe, Gnasi. We're going to turn to Anna again to talk more about the Raleigh City Council race, which was much more than the mayor, and actually had some of the change that's coming to the city. So tell us how, who else won, how things are going to shift, and, and what this means for Raleigh. Sure. Raleigh City Council has eight members and four incumbents were reelected, including Marianne Baldwin. The other three incumbents include Jonathan Melton, Stormy Fort, and Corey Branch. And then we have four new members, all who are first-time candidates, all who are um, very critical of the current methods and direction that the City Council is going. They are Mary Black, Megan Patton, Jane Harrison, and Christina Jones. I've spoken to all of the newcomers who say that they are very interested in working together and finding some sort of compromise on various topics, including the very controversial missing middle changes, which is where it allows townhomes and duplexes to be built throughout the city and traditionally single family homes. That's something that really came up in the election. And then also community engagement, which is about the citizen advisory groups that were cut very unceremoniously in early 2020. And now several of these new candidates are promising to bring them back. Did any of the, the new council serve with Baldwin when she was a city council member? Just Corey Branch. None of the new, only Corey Branch would be the only one who has served with her when she think, was there. Do you think the way that she sees, um, you know, growth and, and council's control has changed since she's been mayor? Or is she pretty consistent the way she was on council too? Or is that just a different era in the city too? It is. I mean, definitely 2007. Raleigh is vastly different from 2022 Raleigh when she was first elected as city council. But I think she's always been known as a very aggressive person on growth and development. She said she's always been in favor of really tall buildings and density throughout the city. Um, And the shift in city council has come and go on growth. It swung in what, 2017 to being very more cautious about growth. And then in 2019, when Baldwin took over as mayor, brought in a slate of candidates that were seemed to be very pro-growth, and now it's looking to be a stalemate with 4-4 kind of mixed on the issue. Sounds like the state legislature sometimes. Uh, so do you think that that housing and growth is is going to be the biggest issue in Raleigh? Or are there other things that are going to come up uh, just this coming year or like the next years of their terms? Those will definitely be the biggest issue. And then how the city works with residents on those issues, which I hate to say community engagement again. But how the city interacts with people and how people know about what's happening in their neighborhoods. Neighborhoods are changing and it's causing a lot of worry for people and they want to make sure that they're being heard from the city. All right. Thank you, Anna, for your insight about everything going on at the at the municipal level. Uh, we're going to share our picks for headliner of the week. We're going to start with a couple of serious ones. Um, Colleen, who, what, who or what is your headliner this week? 
My headliner this week is that a 17-year-old by the name of Isaiah Ross has been formally charged as an adult in the murders of Devin Clark and Lyric Woods in Orange County. And Corey, you've been covering uh, a lot of things going on at UNC lately in particular, so that's sort of a tease to your headliner, but but tell us what it is and, and what people should know um, from your coverage that you've done in the past and to come. Yeah, um, so for the past couple months, I've been covering um, uh, basically that um, UNC um, has many buildings on its campus that have been identified as having lead um, in the water fixtures there. Um, UNC was first made aware of the problem um, in August by some students and a professor doing a summer project. Um, and now through a three-phase approach to testing, the university, um, I believe by my count, has tested more than 90 buildings um, and more than 50 of those have come back with some amount of lead in the water. Um, the big news this week is that lead was found at um, Keenan Stadium, where uh, the UNC football team plays, and at the Dean Smith Center, where the uh, UNC men's basketball team plays. Um, it's unclear whether fans had access to these fixtures. I tried asking the university, but was not given um, answers. Um, and it does appear also that more testing will take place at Keenan Stadium because the results there were described as partial. Um, and... It is also unclear when the university will wrap up testing. Um, they're currently testing buildings built uh, in or before 1990. Um, it's not clear if they'll continue to test buildings built after that year, um, but we will continue to follow the story as they test more. Are they still at the point where it's just more testing? Are there any calls yet for what's to be done about it? If they, you know, are they going to be asking the legislature for for money to fix this problem or is it really just still in the like, let's get a count of what's going on phase? From my understanding, it's they're still trying to figure things out when I've asked for, you know, solutions. Um, the vice chancellor, George Battle, has said that um, kind of everything is on the table, whether they're replacing individual fixtures or if it'll be a more systemic approach. Um, as far as where the money has come from, um, Battle told me that it's coming from a central fund at the university. Um, I am planning to look into that more, but um, he says that individual departments are not responsible for uh, funding the replacements. Okay. Well, Corey Dean will have more coverage of, of what's going on with blood showing up in the drinking at, at UNC. Uh, Luciana, what's your headliner this week? My headliner is Veterans Day, so happy Veterans Day, and thank you to all that served or serve. Okay, um, that's the 11th hour, the 11th day, the 11th month. Um, Veterans Day was started um, on Armistice Day at the end of uh, World War One, And they usually have a, a parade in downtown Raleigh, which I've covered years past. Um, so anyway, I hope... Um, Everyone uh, takes a moment to think about that over the weekend and for your service. Uh, my headliner is, it seems like it was years ago and also two seconds ago, actual election night. Uh, so my headliner is the pizza that all reporters enjoy. It's like a general thing. I, I saw some chat on sports Twitter where they're like, you know, we have deadlines all the time. So we, man. But on actual election night, we all have the same deadline. So that's kind of the difference. Uh, there's council meetings that Anna covers till late. There's legislature meetings that are sessions that are all times of day. And Colleen Lake is always on deadline with breaking news. So anyway, so election night pizza and then all the coffee that I've drunk since then, uh, which sometimes it worked and, and sometimes it didn't. So pizza and coffee uh, are mine. 
And we're going to end on a on a more fun note, um, something from uh, Anna that she and I um, both enjoy uh, taking part in. So, uh, yeah. So my headliner of the week is that the new Pokemon games are coming out next week. Uh, Pokemon Scarlet and Violet are coming out, and this was the week that all of the final trailers came out, which meant we finally got to see some of the leaks about the starter evolutions. And next Friday, you will know what I will be doing. I will be playing Pokemon. So I've played Pokemon Go for years. And those of you who are listening and spend time at the legislative building, I know that you play too, because that gym there turns over all the time at all the Pokestops. So it's a fun distraction uh, sometimes. So, All right. Well, thanks for listening to our uh, post-election extravaganza, including um, everybody that uh, worked on election night. And we'll cover everything to come. And hopefully we'll have some of them back on later talking about other issues. So I'm Don Vaughn for Anna, Luciana, Corey, and Colleen, and our producer, Laura Brache. Thank you for listening, and we'll talk to you next time. For more from our politics team, subscribe to the News and Observer at newsobserver.com slash subscribe. Follow us on Twitter at Under the Dome and NC Insider, and sign up for our weekly political newsletter, also called Under the Dome, at newsobserver.com slash newsletters. Thanks for listening.